Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. Later on the show today, we have the... Um, graphic designer and sort of design powerhouse, Bonnie Siegler. But before that, let's have a check-in. Hello, Kim. How are you doing today? You know what, Bonnie, I almost called you Bonnie. Jen, I'm fine, but I'm just, I've had it with my hair. I've just had it up the fucking wall with my hair. You know what? Okay, well, I want you to tell me about that because I, too, have had it with my fucking hair. Go first. You have perfect shiksa blonde hair. You're fine. I have bad hair. I've always had bad hair. It's, it's <laughs> curly, curly, cute, curly, but at the same time, frizzy. And then a bunch of it fell out. So I have extensions. So now the only good hair in my head is the extensions. And as my hair goes grayer and grayer and grayer, as we were talking about with the guests who will be on by the time I talk about this, like the texture changes. Yes. So my, my hair is just a mess and I work so hard on it whenever I, you know, not every day, but whenever I wash it, I like I blow dry it. I style it. I like run the curling iron through it. And then like two hours later, it just looks like hell again. And I just, I want a solution. I want a hair solution. I want to not fight my hair's nature so hard. And at the same time, I don't want curly hair. So I'm just, I'm irritated, irritated about that. I don't expect you to have anything encouraging to say, except for I know that you too, because we were talking about it just yesterday, are having some thoughts about your hair. I'm fucking cutting it all off. I'm done. Uh-huh. I'm so fucking simple because I had that weird thing and I don't know if it's fucking perimenopause because I put my hair in the wrong position when I slept in it, but I had clumps of my hair falling out, right? And it's not vitamins. I just had all my blood work done. I'm fine. It's something. It's something that my hair is falling out. So yes, my hair over Zoom looks great. My hair is really thin right now. It's really thin. It's really limp. It's really fucking fine. It's down to my tits. I need to figure out what I want to do with it, but I have like hair paralysis, but that's just me. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to chop it into a bob as soon as I get through the first draft of this book. That's my, that's going to be my reward. But I have a question for you. Why don't you want to have curly hair? I've seen you with curly hair. You look cute with curly hair. Why don't you want curly hair? I don't like curly hair on me. I like it on others. To me, I just feel like I'm like kind of a messy, sloppy hippie girl when I have curly hair. And I think that straight hair is more sophisticated looking. Is that an, but have you tried it as a woman in your fifties? Cause that might've been an old version of yourself. Like you're not, you, you can't pass as a hippie girl now. (laughs) (laughs) If that you are correct. Um, I, I don't know. I just, the curls bum me out. They just bum me out. But, you know, eventually I'm going to have to accept them because, because I, I, I just will not spend this much time on hair that even after I spend a great deal of time on it, still refuses to do what I'm asking it to do. 
That's really frustrating and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of energy and extensions take a really long time. You know, it's like, oh, this is all a lot. Do you have a dream hair that you've thought of? I mean, I feel like somebody can help you achieve your dream with hair. You know, the happiest I ever was with my hair was when I was in college and it was very short. It was like 80s short, you know, a little longer on the tops, short on the sides, little flock of seagullsy. And I was, I, would, I, I obviously wouldn't have a flock of seagulls haircut today, but when it was very short, I was very happy. But I also had a 21-year-old face, which makes a difference with very short hair. It does. It does. And I, too, am afraid to let go of all this hair because there's, like, some weird attachment to it. Like, there's a sexuality and there's, like, a whole, I don't know. Oh, like it's a huge. sensuousness, the whole thing. I'm afraid to let go of all this hair. But at the same time, if we, and I'm afraid of also having, and this doesn't, I think, exist anymore, but do you remember the haircut that all moms got, like, when we were growing up? It was, like, short in the back, a little spiky on the top. It was, like... Um, you, you know, I do, I do remember it. It's not from when I was a childhood, but it is from when you were a child. Yes. It was like, that's what all moms got. I don't want that haircut. So it's like weird because I don't want my hair to mark me as being middle-aged, but at the same time, I don't really want the hassle of it anymore. Yep. That, and that is the conundrum. That is and really the conundrum. Because what I cut, is the... Yeah, go ahead. I, I did a bob maybe five years ago, and it looked so boring and so schlumpy. Like, oh. I, I saw them on other women. They look super cool. I think it, you are cool enough and dress cool enough that you would still look cool even with a bob, I think. I, I, I do. I do. I, I think that you... And you have good hair for a bob. I don't have good hair for a bob. Well, okay. So, But wait. So, okay. But so you're okay. But let's let's get off. Let's get off. Let's get off. Let's one one person at a time's hair issues. <laughs> okay, is do you have a dream hair that a you're looking for? A dream hair would be somebody else's hair entirely on my head. So I had better hair, like a better head of hair. That would just be my dream. I don't have a dream haircut. I don't have a dream hairstyle. No, no. Maybe I need to. Um, what are those things called? An not, inspiration board? Uh, no, not what do they call them when they're when it's part of like manifesting and all. Oh, um, it has a name. I forget what it is, but yeah, I need to a, start vi- one a of vision, them. a vision, a vision board. board. Yeah, a vision board. I need a vision board of haircuts. You might need a vision board of haircuts. Like that's just might that might be where you have to go next with this. But I've always been told you should never fall in love with like the way somebody looks with their haircut because they've got a different face shape than you. They've got different hair quality than you. I know, but you'd have to get more specific than that, maybe. Maybe what you need to do is get more specific than that. And like look at people who have your face shape and have your hair texture. I might. It really, it really is a stupid, stupid problem to be discussing for this long. Okay, but, it's not though. It's not though because it takes up really a ha- lot of time. It's a, yes. Hair is really important. When my hair was all falling out when I was about thirty-eight or thirty-nine, I felt so like demoralized. I yeah no. It's um when I had once I when I had a kid and all my hair was falling out and that that was when I first got bangs. Well no I'd had them and then I got them again. But that was when I got bangs because I had I'd lost so much hair and there was some hair that was growing back and I just had these like weird like this weird like shelf of short bangs just hmm. fringing around my forehead. And like, yeah, my hair was all weird after that, after having a baby. It's never really come back in a normal way. It's never really been as good as it was before. But I, you know, I don't have that many hair problems. And thank God, because I don't know how to do anything with my hair. I can barely blow it dry. And like, I try, I have like a drawer full of the wands and the tools, but I don't, God love me. I could never use them. Well, um, I, I just use them to straighten out my hair. And I, 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 I do, I do think I want to give a shout out to my um, very favorite blow dryer, which is very, very fast. And right, it's by Harry Josh. Harry Josh. It's okay. Ca- it's called, let's see where I'm looking at it right now. The Harry Josh Tools Pro Dryer. It costs, they, they sell it on Derm Store. They're always running specials on it if you like sign up for their newsletter. 
It costs about $100 less than the Dyson blow dryer, which is supposed to be the fastest, but it is actually the fastest. Oh, that's good because there's nothing worse than like spending a long time drying your hair. The most I mean, there's boring. lots of things worth, but it's so boring. It's so boring. I think whenever, no. whenever no. anybody no. says there's nothing worse than, it is with the understanding that there is always something worse than. <laughs> Right. Well, that's totally true. It's totally true. Um, well, this week I have been working on um, a thing that I've never really been able to do before, which is the permission to be terrible. Mm-hmm. I really like I'm really trying. I'm having a really hard time writing and it's really going poorly. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm like, OK, I'm going to let go of all this like boss babe bullshit. And I'm just going to be like. There's no heroine's journey here. This is just terrible. There's no poetry in this. I'm just slogging through and trying to get some work done in the hours that I deem acceptable to work. And it's really kind of liberating the freedom to be terrible. Well, it's also kind of a baller move. It's kind of a baller move. It means that you have a lot of confidence and you're not going to judge yourself based on what your output at the moment is. But based on what it is when you've had more time to like hone in on it. It's not though, but it's really, it's like really fucking with me a lot. It's really fucking with me a lot because I like to really be in control. And I think that this is why we don't make changes in our lives. I think this is like career changes. I think this is why we don't take big swings because you're kind of terrible at everything the first time you do it. Yeah. You just kind of suck. And it's like the freedom, allowing yourself the freedom to be terrible and just kind of accepting, okay, I'm going into like this dark wood and I don't know, dark woods, whatever, dark forest. I'm going into (laughs) something that I don't know where the fuck it's going to lead me to and I don't feel good and I'm just going to walk through it and see what happens. I'm just going to walk through this discomfort and see what happens. I'm just going to keep, and I've also had to keep myself really sober because I cannot walk through being this panicky that I suck mm-hmm. oh, while also being kind of drunk. You know what right, I mean? Or like, so I'm real sober. I'm walking through like my worst creative fears and my worst creative fear is that I suck. Well, that and, and, and you don't suck, which you know. But the other thing is like sitting with that discomfort for me and I think for a lot of other people too is the most uncomfortable thing in the world it's the hardest thing I do not sit with discomfort well I do not sit with moments of and also we have to address that being a writer is one thing and being a writer slash editor is another and can make writing really hell because if you're an editor you know that what you just wrote sucked much more than you do if you're just a writer unless you're an extremely self-aware one that's true. It's also the worst because there's nothing more boring than hearing someone talk about their book, but it's the only <laughs> thing the person wants to talk about. So anyway, on that note, I think we should stick to hair. I'm just yes. cut this off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, let's get into the episode. Our guest today is Bonnie Siegler. Bonnie heads the graphic design firm eight and a half. And before that, she co-founded Number 17, a graphic design company that, upon many, many other things, designed the Lucky Magazine logo and its test issue and created templates for columns and features that we used for years. Her list of dream clients includes Late Night with Seth Meyers, The New Yorker, The Criterion Collection, Random House, 30 Rock, Sex in the City, This American Life, and tons more. She has taught in the graduate programs of Yale and the School of Visual Arts and is the author of two books, Dear Client, which is a guide for people who work with creatives, and Signs of Resistance, which is a visual history of protest in America. And she's got another book coming out soon that we'll discuss in a bit. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy you're here. And the first question I want to ask you is one that I think about when I think about you. And that's the fact that you and I are roughly the same age. And I really marvel at the level of ambition you continue to bring to your working life. On this show, we talk a lot about how ambition can wane in midlife. And I just, I have to know how you've resisted this because I don't understand it. Gosh, you know, I'm just, I feel like, hmm. I just get up and work every day. I don't feel particularly ambitious. Um, 
it's just, I guess I really like what I do. It's fun for me. So it's not work as they say. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can think of, I really truly enjoy my job. And right. I also come up with different projects like the books to keep me going, to keep me interested, to keep me on my game. Right. You met your previous business partner, Emily, when you were both 22, and you guys started the company number 17 together at 30, and you stayed work partners for like 20 years, which is a huge accomplishment, I think, in the work, in, a huge accomplishment in the annals of like work spousedom. How did you guys swing that? I don't know, but it, it really, we met when we were 22, we became best friends, like really girly best friends, shared all our clothes and everything. Um, and then, and we worked together for those first eight years while we each had other jobs. And then it was just like the most natural thing. We were just like, want to start a company? Okay, let's start a company. It was like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I think if we knew more, we wouldn't have done it. Like we were so naive. We didn't know anything about anything. And that gave us the courage to, to, to do it, to pull the trigger. We, you know, we had no money. We had nothing. We did it out of my bedroom and my living room in my small apartment in the West Village. And we stayed there for a few months. Um, yeah, we, were, we had a really good marriage for a really long time. And then I got a husband and then I had a husband and a wife, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, two marriages can be difficult to, to handle, but, but, um, but it was, it was great for yeah, almost 20 years. And, and our friendship, that means was for like 35, you know, 30 years or 35 years. It was crazy. I want to go back to a little bit of um, staying ambitious and staying engaged, because I think what's, what's interesting is you can love what you do and you can get totally fried and burn out. But it sounds like what you do is actually you have a diverse slate of projects and you keep your brain kind of stimulated and keep yourself engaged in a number of different things and number of different sort of tentacles of the same thing. And I'm wondering, how do you choose your projects? Well, first of all, that is definitely the benefit of, of a company like this is if a job is terrible, it'll be over soon mm. constantly have a bunch of different clients going on so you throw yourself into something for four or six months and then you're done and that really that change constantly cycling through completely different people you know collaborators and colleagues and and just the work itself I can't imagine working like at an agency where I'd have to work on you know let's just say Dove for five years and only think about Dove soap for five years. That would be really, really hard for me. I could see being burned out, but because I get to do so many different things all the time, you know, the next thing will be more interesting if this one isn't. Totally. And I, I wonder, because obviously there's so many advantages to running your own thing, especially as we get older, because we have so much wisdom. It's like, we're, you know, the stakes are, you know, you're making it for yourself or you're breaking it for yourself, right? And I'm wondering what you find are the advantages or actually the disadvantages too of running a company on your own. Oh, I only see advantages. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> really, even with having to make a paycheck. Yes. Because I think that would be the most stressful thing. Well, okay, I, I, you're, you're right in that I wouldn't have done this when I was 30 by myself. I mean, the only way I could do it was with my best friend at my side. But then once I've ha I had the experience under my belt, um, it, it didn't feel as daunting. I knew what I was doing. Um, somebody once said to me, like with a client who was a regular client, they said, you wouldn't talk to me like that if I paid your medical insurance. Hmm. And I thought, well, there's another advantage that I get to say whatever I want. If you fire me, it's just a job, not the job. But I get to be honest about how I feel without that risk. And that was always the thing. I mean, I remember when I worked with you guys and we had our big, we worked all summer on pages. And then we had our big meeting with all the bosses. Remember that meeting? With Cy, you mean? With Cy Newhouse? With Cy Newhouse and yes. Steve Florio and Chuck Towns, like the entire 11th floor showed up. 
Kim, I have to tell you, I literally bought the only suit I owned for that meeting. I never had a suit before or since. I spent like $700 at Agnes B on a perfect <laughs> oh, God. And Cy Newhouse walked in in sweatpants. And yep. I vowed to never wear a suit again. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. For some reason, I remember you guys dressed. I remember I was wearing a suit I bought at APC. But I remembered you guys both dressed casually. And I remember like you guys had a poster on your wall of like all the wacky pack prototypes. Do you remember that? Of course. And it was like your office was always such a fun, goofy, not goofy is the wrong word, like a fun, funny place to visit. And I remember when I was first told about you guys, my friend who, who said you should work with them said, you know, they come on one way, but they're a really big deal and you better show them some respect. And I always thought that was a cool thing that you guys did because you took what you did lightly, but you were both really heavy hitters and you obviously still are. Well, that's, I love that description. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Having fun is a part of it. If you're smiling, you come up with better ideas. Right. <laughs> it's really hard to like engage other people's emotions when you're miserable. Right. Right. I mean, because that's a lot of what I, I, what we do is connect with with you know consumers or customers or readers and try and connect with their with their emotions what what they get out of it um so you have to be pretty clear and happy when you're doing it how have you managed to stay like flexible and on top of the changes in the digital landscape since for instance we met oh gosh i don't think i have i mean <laughs> my, my i really don't my son I have a, a 21 year old who is a influencer which he started his business when he was 15 so six years ago so he, I've learned a lot through him about social media and Instagram and influencing unfortunately NFTs and Bitcoin and all of that stuff um, but I'm not on top of it it's not my world I'm 58 years old that's my <laughs> world well now that you've mentioned your son I have to ask about him because your son is not just an influencer he's like an influencer with almost a million followers on Instagram and isn't that right and seven million followers across you know different platforms what that's is that not... even like <laughs> crazy right <laughs> um yeah so he has a few different a few different um, things that he does. One is about the NBA and that's Hoops Nation. One is about um, collectibles and cards and that's called Talking Shop. And then he also has a podcast called The Buster Show, which is where he interviews like Mike Breen and Walt Frazier and mm. Jerry West and people like that. Um, and also he, he does interviews on his podcast with, with regular players, with real players. But what's cool is he's their age. So he's hmm. talking to them one-on-one -on -one, right? as opposed to a 65-year-old man talking to a 21-year-old player. So he's really tapped into something and they really enjoy, like he used to play, he was hired by the NBA to play video games with NBA players for, for TikTok. So he had to no way. play video games, got paid um, <laughs> with his, you know, favorite players and they videoed it. That was a job. What What is it like to have a famous kid? It's, is that is that weird? It is a little weird. I mean, when we go out, like around here where we live in Connecticut, kids always point to him. Like if we're in a restaurant and there's other kids in there, they're always like, "Oh my god, that's Buster!" <laughs> <laughs> How crazy! It's really weird. And uh, yeah, how do you help him navigate that? Well, I help him with the business side of it, for sure, because I read contracts and things like that and billing and keeping, you know, doing stuff for his taxes and things like that. I help him with. But the other stuff, what what young people want to hear, talk about and see, it's it's like in his DNA or something. It's just he's got it. And I have he's talked to some of my clients and given advice because he knows what to do to navigate through all of that in a way that I just don't. Do you feel like you've learned from him? Oh, completely. I ask him all the time for advice. Absolutely. Well, it does feel like, and I, I have an 11 year old and I, so I have, I have a kid who's just at the end of um, Gen Z and it does feel like the world that they're going to be in 
for the first time in my life, I'm 48, it feels like the world there going to be working in is something that is so out of my purview. Like I have no concept of how to do things the way that they do, if that makes any sense. I, I feel like this is a massive divide in a way. And I don't know if that's just age and everybody feels that way when they're like, you know, 40 years younger than you or, you know, but it feels like the world that they're going to be doing business in is, is we have to learn from them if we're going to keep doing business, I guess. I, I totally agree. And, you know, it was when Buster decided not to go to college, it, most people couldn't believe it. Like hmm. mom said to me, like, I think that's really irresponsible of you to let him do that. Meanwhile, he's 18 years old and gets to decide for himself. Right. Um, but but um, now, even this is just four years later, now people say, oh, my God, that was so smart to not go to college. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a four years that shift but also the we did tour colleges and none of them mentioned the internet on the college huh. tours like it just wasn't a piece of the puzzle which seems crazy and and especially convinced him not to go to college um I think it's changing now because it has mm -hmm. to but I I agree it's a different world it's a different world and institutions have not caught up to them I was I was even thinking about um I was listening to an interview with you on Design Matters and I was listening to your story and you know a lot of times in your career you had like two big jobs at once right which is just crazy to me right and I I remember working like that and I remember you you said at one point well it didn't matter I didn't have to sleep I was young it was okay and I was thinking about our relationship to work and how different it is because there was a kind of an obvious path almost, you know, you put in that kind of work and then you'd have some reward at the end, some, a prize would spit out. And I don't think that careers are as linear now as they used to be. I don't know if you agree with this, but, and I don't even know if you're an expert in this, but I think it's interesting because I, I think that you are, a, you know, obviously a lot of talent, but you really worked hard and then you, you got a lot of rewards from that. And I just don't know if the working world is the same as it used to be that there was a there's a pattern you can follow in the same way yeah i think everything is is up in the air now everything i mean we know right people used to work for a company for their whole lives and that company took care of them so obviously that went away a long time ago now people hope to get five to ten years out of a job right before moving on so it, it's affected everybody um, but again, another another reason to have your own company <laughs> is you're in control of that. At least you're in control of it. It's not up to somebody you don't respect and don't like to decide what you do or don't do next. How has what clients want changed or has it? Well, it definitely has. Um, I think people are smarter about design now than let's see, we started our company in 93. So that's how long ago. <laughs> 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 um, that's a really long time. So people were, I mean, really terrible in the beginning. And it's one of the reasons I wrote to your client was let's just get all this out of the way. Like there's a story in the book about um, Emily and I went to show a record company executive our portfolio back in the days there were portfolios. And we went into his office and laid the book out. And then he got a call on his cell phone and moved to leave the room as we were flipping through the portfolio and turned to us right before he left and said, you guys keep going. No. <laughs> there was nobody else in the room. <laughs> like, what the hell? So yes, people, now people know. It's also crazy now that I wrote this book, some new clients I have read the book before they call me. And so they're already with following all the rules and regulations, which doesn't need to be the case. You don't need to have read the book, but it's kind of adorable at the same time. They That's want so to do right. They want to, they want to do the right thing to get the right result. And, and I respect that. We're going to take a quick break for some ads. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Who in your career was your first client where you were like, okay, now I think I may get to do this for a living? Like your first, your first, like I remember the first time my byline was in the Village Voice and I couldn't believe the actual physical fact of my byline being in the Village Voice. Was there ever a client where you were like, oh my God, I can't believe like Saturday Night Live or something? Well, that was after we started our company. So that doesn't really count. When Emily and I, we met at our first job, which did work for galleries and museums. And I designed the brochure for Robert De Niro's seniors painting show. Hmm. Oh, so wow. <laughs> there was, a, he's a, he was a really great painter and he had a show at a gallery and we did the poster and the brochure and the advertising and all of that stuff. And then on opening night, there was Robert De Niro and all of his friends. That was kind of exciting. That's cool. Have, have, are things changing as you're, as you're getting older and, and how, I mean, you're so established and you're so successful. So I imagine they may not have as much, um, but I wonder if, if to, are clients relating to you differently, either good or bad as you're older than you were? Well, definitely better as I'm older, definitely. Because when we were 30 year old girls or even 40 year old girls, there was, it was just unbelievable misogyny. It was just mm -hmm. insane. We used to say we needed a Remington steel. We thought if only we had a guy, he could be totally stupid, but he had to be handsome and he <laughs> could be the front person that clients would talk to so they could feel good that they were working with a man. Right. And we thought it, right. it would work really, but now it's better. Cause now old age trumps, you know, everything else. You feel that way. I do. I mean, I, I hope to feel that way. I like to feel that way, but we talk a lot on this show about how experience tr is trumped by just youth and, you know, cheap, you know, 
less expensiveness. Right. <laughs> yes, that and also what they can do on the computer that I can't do. Right. Right. But again, this all comes back to, well, two things. First off, I know women who have made fake male assistants, like fake Gmail accounts, and it's a fake male assistant who will take all your appointments and they will find that like, that is an easier way to like run their businesses sometimes, like with just like, you know, John booking your appointments because John will get more respect than you will. But that's, that's one. But the, the second thing is, this comes back to having your own business, which is if someone's an asshole who's being ageist, you can be like, no, next. Totally. Right? Absolutely. It just, you know, it depends on how big the job is. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's always the job where you don't want to walk. Right. Either because you care about the work you've done or because, you know, there are other people involved who you care about. It, it You know, it's like making anything any project like making a movie or something where you get together with a bunch of people and you work really hard for a short period of time and then you separate so once you make those connections and you have that family it is it can be difficult to walk away yeah do you have a staff bonnie i well i did when when covid hit but now everybody's remote mm -hmm. okay i spend my days alone which is very different yeah. yeah, I'll bet for because what you do is so collaborative. That must be weird. I know. I, know. I talk to myself. <laughs> no, it is hard to get that creative energy, especially when things are visual, right? It's hard to communicate that. That's one thing that's really hard to communicate over Zoom. Like, I don't know, should it be a little more blue? You know, it's like, <laughs> it, I feel like that's something that must be challenging to, to, to be communicating virtually all the time. Yeah, and to hang, I mean, I do it for myself alone, but to hang a bunch of different sketches on the wall and talk about them, um, yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to do on Zoom. Yeah. Bonnie, how do you reconcile your creativity and your ambition with motherhood? I know your kids are, are older now, but was it challenging when they were small? You know, I had, um, I mean, yes and no, it was challenging because of time and I was still working, you know, all the time when my kids were younger. Although I realized it just doesn't matter as much when they're very young. I know parents of young children will hate me for saying this, but mm -hmm. I thought it was more important that I be with them when they were babies and it would be less important when they got older because they could understand that mommy was working. But I actually think it doesn't matter as long as someone who loves them is with them when they're babies, they really need you when they're older. You, yes. you said a similar thing, Jen. I, this, is the, this is the big lie about working motherhood. This is the big lie that like, oh my God, that first couple of years, it doesn't matter. Any competent, like kind person can like, you know, go through the paces of the diaper change and the hugging and the burping and the, you know, the cleaning, the feeding. It's like when they're 11, 12, 13, I don't know, because I don't have an older kid than that, but they are running big things by you. And if you're not present for them, they, they just, I, I am finding that my child really needs me to be present in a way that I had not anticipated and nobody had told me. Exactly. And and also just being able to be aware, not just when, when they do talk to you, but when they don't talk to you, just yes. be able to be there. So that's, so that is one thing that I've learned, but also having kids made me, faster and better and smarter because I had to be like, yes. I no longer had the option of slacking because I had this family to support now and yeah it just changed me other people get knocked down by it but for me it made me like oh okay I have to be out of here by six I'm going to finish this job by six period well, the more you have to do the more you do I exactly. firmly believe that and just like more organized and less like, oh, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to get caught up in that drama. I have to be more efficient because I got drama at home. Like I can't, I can't deal with this office drama. I became a much more efficient worker um, in motherhood than I had been previous to that. I think motherhood actually accelerated my career to some degree. I totally agree. But really, it sh I mean, it's nice to have a change like that you know yeah before, why don't people talk more about this this is like the first i'm hearing of it 
Well, I don't know why people, because people are so caught up in like talking about like sleep schedules and like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a real reprioritizing I found. I mean, I th- and I think that's exact. I think that's what you're saying too, Bonnie. Yes, absolutely. Reprioritizing. Equally, a thing we talk about a lot is um, my understanding from Kim, and I hope I'm not wrong about this, but is that you're married to an artist. And we talk a lot about, um, or we've talked in the past about the challenges of being, a, you know, a unit with two creatives in it. Has that been, how's that been for you? Uh, I mean, it's been great because I think he's so awesome and talented. <laughs> you know, I really, films. I use him all the time. I mean, we're very different. So I'm, you know, I'm a graphic designer. So I need a project, like a, a blank piece of paper with no rhyme or reason to do anything is terrifies me. That's not where I live. But if he gets any kind of assignment, that terrifies him. He needs a blank piece of paper where he can do whatever he wants hmm. because he's a fine artist and I'm a commercial artist. So um, we come at it from very different ways, which is helpful. But we've also done projects together. I hired him to work on this documentary for um, HBO um, that we worked on called The Number on Great Grandpa's Arm. And it was a, it's for young people to learn about the Holocaust. And Jeff did the animation of all the footage from the war because the actual footage is too difficult for young people to look at. So he animated it and he won an Emmy for it. Wow. Wow. But other times, you know, we're just each other's eyes. Like, just look at this and tell me what you think. I, I, we help each other a lot, especially now that I have no designers here. I have Jeff. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. So there, there's a, so you collaborate well together. Yeah. We've, he's done a few music videos recently for Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young that I helped him with. I know it's weird yes. to do videos for Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, but but um, it, it's Graham Nash hired him. Actually. No, I the, the video that he did for Our House is so pretty that thinking about it is giving me the chills. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Wait, but what is true. his name? What is his name? So people are going to want to look him up. What is his, his name? name? Is Jeff Sher S C H E R. And if you go to YouTube and put in Our House, it's the official video. Oh, and, and, so it's, and it's of our house too. He he used our house in it. Oh wow! It's very sweet. It's super sweet. It'll make you cry for sure, Romalini. Oh, I love to cry. Um, <laughs> um, Bunny, you wrote a book about how to talk to creatives. What made you want to write that? So when I'm involved in AIGA, which is the American Institute of Graphic, the National Design Organization, and whenever designers get together at these national conferences, thousands of people, all anybody does is share client disaster stories. Just like, and they're all the same. Everybody has the same clients who make the same mistakes and do the wrong things. And so I just thought, what if we give them the benefit of the doubt and teach them instead of just being mad at them? So I wrote this book with, which is basically, if you want to get the best work out of a creative person, follow these simple rules. And and you don't have to follow all of them and everybody messes up every once in a while, but it just gives you a slightly different way to think about it because we're a slightly different group. We're not doing your taxes. We have to bring our emotional selves to the project for it to be successful. And if you're mean to us, that will not work in your favor. (laughs) Right, right, like a more sensitive group. Yeah, definitely. And just to say that outright, but the the best, this was seriously the best marketing idea I had. You can have the book sent anonymously to anybody <laughs> in a plain brown paper bag. <laughs> so funny. Through- what's the worst, what's the worst client mistake I made? If you remember that far I, back, I don't. I don't remember. I we had a great time. We were inventing a magazine, Kim, about shopping. <laughs> it was pretty fun. That was, I mean, it, do you remember? I mean, of course you remember everybody saying that's a stupid idea for a magazine. Everybody thought it was the dumbest idea for a, ma- a magazine. I had lunch with a Vogue editor who gave me a laundry list of reasons why it would never work. Yep. Then it worked. It worked <laughs> amazingly well. 
Yep. I wonder what I wonder what you think though are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're managing creative people. Because I, I think, you know, so many people are managing young writers and, and young designers, even young people who are making their social media or, you know, they're they're creative people. What are what mistakes are people making when they're people normies who are not creative people? What mistakes are they making? Okay. Well one one chapter in the book is called I don't care what your spouse thinks. <laughs> this is oh so- my god i've run up against that i don't care what your what your mother-in-law thinks oh, it, i've actually <laughs> it's, it's everybody the worst is your 13 year old daughter like literally oh. people especially if it's on the internet they trust their kids more than themselves so my daughter looked at it last night she's 13 but she's really good at this and she said like and then fill in whatever criticism the 13 year old daughter had which is obviously unbelievable the daughter didn't read the the brief the daughter wasn't at any of the meetings the, uh, unless she's going to start coming i don't give a shit what she thinks <laughs> no i had um i had a i had a columnist when i was working at one of the jobs i had i had a young samantha irby doing a column for me and somebody's mother-in-law found Samantha Irby offensive and they wanted me to pull the column. And I was like, I don't, this isn't for this person's mother-in-law. Like, this is, I, it's just, you know, trust you, do you like it? Trust yourself. I like it. You know, our readers seem to like it. Well, that is such a true thing that happens. It's like the, the external people. That's so funny. Right. They don't trust their own opinions, but they'll trust somebody else who isn't actually really involved. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Another, yeah. another big one, which is constant, and one of the ones that everybody always has to deal with is um, about animals. Do you remember animals? Of course. Yes. Okay. So and I don't need to explain what they are. Thank you. So people will look at a design presentation and want to take the bottom half of one, the top Mm -hmm. half of the other, and just put them together, even though they came from completely different places with completely different follow through and it just won't work together, but they like one aspect of one and one aspect of another and just want to put them together and don't understand why it can't happen. It makes me understand why really bad decisions sometimes get made in advertising and just in, 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 in anything creative because, like, there was a funny scene in Succession about it. Like, when you're, like, you get snowblind because you're looking at so many, like, slightly different iterations of the same thing. And you can see where a whole group of people would just be like, oh, no, that one, definitely. Like, A with B. Wait, what, what happened in Succession? Oh, it was so funny. It was um, Cousin Greg and Tom, and they're working on a new, like, um, tagline for the company. Oh, right, right. Exactly. Exactly that. And they ended up with that piece of shit tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want you to go without talking about your new book and the Times article that inspired it. Okay. So, um... What happened is after Trump was elected, I was just flailing as was most of most of us. Um, but I did notice that it was so much like 1933 in Germany. My family escaped Nazi Germany and it just felt super scary to me. And I was wondering why nobody was talking about that, why the Holocaust wasn't just a topic of conversation at this moment when we hired this fas- racist fascist. So. Um, I got an article in the New York Times about my grandfather's escape because he um, happened years later, he, he happened to film Marilyn Monroe shooting the seven year itch. And I had this footage and I'd never done anything with it, but I thought, well, here, I'm going to use this footage and get an article about the Holocaust. So, so I got this article. It appeared the Sunday before the um, inauguration, Trump's inauguration. And then the day after it ran, a super famous director bought the rights to make it into a movie, the story of my grandfather, which was super exciting. Um, but then it, nothing happened over the next few years. It, it sort of just got a little lost. And then Helene Stepinski, the journalist who wrote the original article and I decided to write a book 
which expanded on the whole story and included the guy who I just found out through research, through my own like ancestry-like research, um, the guy who signed for my grandfather and, and the rest of my family to come to America founded DC Comics. Mm. Um, and it was, he signed for them in April, 1938, which was when Superman came out for the first time. So the book is called The American Way, A True Story of Nazi Escape, Superman and Marilyn Monroe. And Simon and Schuster bought it and um, we're turning it in in November. So we Such just a... finished it. Yeah, we'll include the original story in the show notes. It's really quite something. And actually, before you go, since this is a podcast, if you want to talk about this, you don't have to, but um, I know you and Kim have had some conversations about menopause. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if you want to talk about menopause at all and how you're doing in it. I'm doing terribly in menopause. <laughs> I, it's just the temperature thing is just terrible. And I'm shocked and maddened that I didn't know this was coming. Mm -hmm. everybody wasn't always talking about this thing that's going on and that doctors just say like, yeah, sorry. Like that <laughs> is what it is. And as with all things like this, I feel like if this happened to men, we would all know that this was happening and there would be treatments for it to keep your temperature more normal. If there was a 10 year physical transformation that happened to men can you imagine <laughs> like, no we would like stand up and say a pledge to it at school <laughs> like, exactly and and all like, and the, your work life would be orchestrated around it mm -hmm. so you would stop you would retire before menopause and then you would take a break for 10 years while you go through it and then you would start work again yeah <laughs> I mean, that would be really smart since like there's so many things that they're now finding like brain fog that make it really hard to work, you know, not to mention the temperature fluctuation, which I have some of, but not as not as much yet. Bonnie told me she has something called cold flashes and this was flashes. this was new to me. So it's like you have a, an ice cube, a long icicle inside you and it keeps you cold. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like dressing warmer doesn't help. Blankets don't help because it's inside. Mm. Oh my God! It's like people who have breast who have breast implants in the in the cold. Oh, they oh. they don't warm up. So it is like you have two ice cubes inside of you. Okay, that is a horrible fact. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I really welcome Bonnie. I really bring the fun. <laughs> That is so just, it hurt. My breasts hurt now that you said that. Well, do, you have to, do you have to rub them to warm them up? I just, I think that they just don't, they just don't warm up. They just, I mean, you know, if you're outside and you're cold, they're not, there's no blood running through them, you know? So that's, that's what happens. But it sounds like, honestly, Bonnie, you have something similar going on inside you. Maybe someone else would warm up your, your boobies for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not like imagining like a hair dryer on the breasts. I'm just like, oh God. Um, all right, well, Bonnie, <laughs> where where can people find you? Um, on Instagram. Or can you guys just put my links? And stuff? Of course, we can I put everything. I actually took an Instagram break for a couple of months. I'm so well, happy. was that? But uh, it was great not being on Instagram, actually. I really enjoyed it. Well, not you know, they're doing, they're doing all, this, all this press lately about how Facebook hid, hid research they had about the effects of um, Instagram on um, young women. But I, think it, I don't think you have to be young to be affected adversely by it. Or a woman. <laughs> yeah true. yeah i think you can be anyone anyone the the it's yeah it's it's a nightmare i mean look we're all complicit in the nightmare because we're all like showing the best versions of ourselves the best version of our work even when we're showing the poor versions of either it's like a it's also a phony it's also a show so we're all complicit in it but we're just seeing these things and we're like oh i don't have it's not me you know all day long just swipe swipe <laughs> swipe yeah, totally. But it, it, yeah. it's nice to not go on. It really is. 
Well, not to mention, I, I read something at some point that we're not supposed to see this many images, that it's overwhelming our brains really? to absorb this many images at once. Like it's, there's so many images that you see on Instagram in such a short time that actually there's something about that that messes with your brain. What, what, what does it do to the brains of people whose brains aren't developed yet? Uh, unclear. I didn't, I didn't, maybe it wasn't in the, the brief that I read on this, but Yikes. you know. Uh, no, I mean, it yeah. can only do worse things than it does with somebody who's yeah, an adult. Jeez. But so you took a break. Um, did you take a break because you were feeling like Instagram? Were you feeling like it was, were you feeling like you're having a toxic relationship with it? Or were you just like, I don't need this? Or it was a time suck or what? It was definitely a time suck. I think what happened is I went to I went to Berlin over the summer to do research for my book and I didn't post anything from the trip and it and it it felt more special to me because I didn't mm. post. like I held it very close to my chest and it felt good and I just wanted that good feeling to continue <laughs> like to experience this journey without thinking about how people were responding to it mm-hmm. was really freeing for me. And so then when I came back, this was in the beginning of August. And when I came back, I was like, well, why not keep that good feeling going? <laughs> I, know, I know what I want to ask you about. One more, th- one more thing, promise, before we go. I know I keep saying that. We've talked to a lot of women who have, after COVID or during COVID, gone gray. And you've done kind of the exact opposite. You're like blonde. Well, You're like tar- Targaryen blonde from Game of <laughs> I love that. So I'm the <laughs> queen of dragons. I'm the mother of dragons. You're the mother yeah. of dragons. So what happened? So first of all, I've literally been every hair color over the course of my life. You've seen a few of them, Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but then COVID made it so obviously I had to reconsider everything. And so I went blonde so that when the gray fully came in and by then the gray was white, it would be a softer transition. And so now it's white all on the top. Um, My hair is completely white and blonde on the bottom. Mm. So I'm going white. That's the ultimate goal. That's a really smart strategy. So it's really gradual and I only have to color my hair, you know, every four or five months as opposed to every three weeks, which is what it was before. Yeah, that's where I am. It's Yeah, it looks great. It really looks good. But um, yeah, I've been black, brown, red, blonde, you know, everything. <laughs> right. I've tried everything over the years. But this, <laughs> is, this, is, this one's a keeper. Good. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for doing this. We really liked having you on. Thank you so much. It was really fun talking to you guys. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show... You know what to do. Rate, review it on all the platforms. If you haven't done that yet, please do it now. That would be great. It helps us build audience. Thank you. Um, If you want to get special episodes, uh, be a part of our monthly live events, and get bonus content, please join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We're on Instagram at EIF podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to email us, we're at everything is fine. The podcast at gmail.com and you can reach Kim on her blog or find Kim on her blog, girls of a certain age.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 